Peter Heaton talking the Great South Coast and earlier in the week I visited Southwest Regional Cancer Centre and caught up with Dr Terry Hayes and, assist, and Associate Professor Ian Collins uh, to find out what's going up there. Firstly, Terry, good morning. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Good, thanks. And Ian, how are you going? I'm good, thanks. You've got that Irish accent there, Ian? I've been working on it for a while. <laughs> Very good. Firstly, Terry, the, the Southwest Regional Cancer Centre been in existence now since around 2014. How's it, how's it performing? How's it working? Yeah, oh, it's, been a, it's been a great success, Peter. So, yeah, seven years um, since we've opened, actually coming up in July, I think, is the anniversary. Um, long time in the making, and we've you know, spoken about that in the, in the past with the help of Peter's project and the community with fundraising. Um, and it's really become quite an integrated service with uh, a one-stop shop, which was the, the, the plan, uh, radiation, medical oncology um, and, uh, and clini- clinical trials. Yeah. Terry, for those people who don't know, a bit of history about yourself and how you got to Warrnambool. Uh, yeah. um, so I've been here for 18 years. Um, I came to Warrnambool as uh, uh, the sole medical oncologist. I joined uh, John Hounsell at the time, who's a, about to retire, but uh, he was really uh, doing all of the cancer treatment and haematology treatment. Um, and uh, shortly after coming here as a visiting doctor, I relocated from Melbourne um, and have been here ever since. Um, got to know uh, Peter Jelly um, and uh, looked after him, so I know the story behind uh, Peter's uh, experience and, uh, yeah, really helped with the campaign with Vicky Jelly about getting radiation services and subsequently the building. Yeah. And your, your business operates out of here, Southwest Oncology? That's right, yeah. So Southwest Oncology uh, based within the Southwest Regional Cancer Centre. Um, so I work with uh, Ian Collins here and we also have uh, Oliver Klein, um, who's a immunotherapy expert and he comes up from Melbourne uh, once a week. Uh, so yeah, the group of three of us are all based here in the Cancer Centre. Mm, terrific. Ian, tell us a bit about your history. Um, born in Melbourne probably? Uh, so I'm, I'm Irish obviously and anyone who's heard me talk knows that. So I, I, moved, I did my training initially in Ireland in, in medical oncology and then moved to Australia to Peter Mac in Melbourne in 2010. Um, and because the coffee was so good, we stayed in Australia. Um, it's a pity about the weather. So then in 2014, we moved down here to Warrnambool. My wife's a, a GP in town too. Um, and we've been here ever since, so so uh, eight years now in, in Warrnambool. All right, so you work with, with Terry in the Southwest Oncology. What's the aim of Southwest on- Oncology? So we provide the medical oncology services to the to the community, to uh Warrnambool and the surrounds and, and, Col- and Portland too. I go to Portland on a Thursday. So we see patients with cancer who need chemotherapy or other agents to control their disease or, or to reduce the chance of it coming back. Um, and I guess it provides all of those services for patients in, in the region with, with cancer who need it. Mm. Um, we also have a, a registrar who works with us who, who can see people as well and, and bulk bill them if required so we can kind of provide the, the whole gamut of, of uh, services if, if we need to. We see the patients, about half our patients will end up having some kind of chemotherapy or other systemic therapy. Um, so we'd supervise that and see them in the chemotherapy day ward downstairs or, or elsewhere, depending on where they're, they're being treated. Well, you do that on a daily basis, but I understand that there's been some great work done by both of you behind the scenes, and I, I, I believe that there's been a paper published. Perhaps, Terry, you can tell us about that. You were behind that and had an input into the paper that's published overseas in London and America. 
Yeah, thanks, Peter. So very, very exciting and, and really a, a bit of a career highlight for me uh, is a recent publication in the New England Journal of Medicine, uh, which is probably considered the most prestigious medical journal in the world. Um, I was able to collaborate with researchers through the Walter and Eliza Hall Institute uh, and Royal Melbourne Hospital, um, and we were able to open their trial um, in Warrnambool, uh, which was called uh, Dynamic 2, uh, which is really looking at a blood test in early-stage bowel cancer and trying to identify patients that actually don't need chemotherapy. Um, and the results of the trial were, were very impressive um, and also uh, recently presented uh, by my colleague from uh, Walter and Eliza Hall at the biggest uh, oncology conference in Chicago, simultaneously published in the New England Journal of Medicine, um, and I was fortunate enough to be a co-author on that on that paper. Um, so very exciting. Um, it's not a blood test that we can currently use for all patients, but I think uh, the results of such a high-profile publication will allow the authorities to look at maybe this blood test becoming more routinely used. And by using it, we'll be able to uh, be more accurate in early-stage bowel cancer patients as to who doesn't need chemotherapy and can avoid the side effects um, and still remain cured uh, from their cancer. And I guess the side effects is the, the thing that we're talking about here. That's the you know a, a big breakthrough. Yeah, one of the difficulties with early-stage bowel cancer is it's, uh, we do know that some patients benefit from chemotherapy, but the percentage of benefit is very, very small. Um, and we use very crude measurements, uh, such as the size of the tumour, um, the number of lymph nodes in the specimen. Um, but this blood test is a much more accurate way of determining, really fingerprinting, which patient does actually require the chemo and will therefore benefit, and therefore the side effects are justified. Prior to this, um, when it hopefully does become uh, more generally used, um, we will only be giving chemotherapy to those patients that actually need it. Mm. Um, so it's, it's fantastic research um, for Australian researchers uh, to be on the international stage, to be presenting papers at the large conference in Chicago. Um, so it's a real win for Australian researchers. But the ability to have regional patients contribute to that research um, and for... Uh, us as a regional centre to be able to contribute to international research is, uh, is a, an amazing achievement. Mm, Warrnambool's been put on the map by the May Racing Carnival. This is another significant uh, breakthrough, I guess, for, for Warrnambool in the southwest. Yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, I think one, one of uh, my career objectives has always been to try and deliver metropolitan quality cancer care in a regional town. Um, so to be able to have um, cutting-edge expertise in, uh, in various tumours, to work with the likes of Ian, who's uh, got special interests, with Oliver, who's an expert in his field, and have them all, uh, you know, us all working together uh, to really make sure that patients uh, are not compromised by the fact they live in regional centres. Yeah. Ian, it's probably hard for Terry to talk about, you know, the significance of that uh, finding. What's your comment? I guess this is, but the New England Journal is, is our, our pinnacle, if you like. It's what we all aim for. It's the Oscars of, of, uh, of oncology, if you like, in medicine. So it, to get that is, is a massive achievement for anyone, but particularly when we're working in a smaller centre, to be able to do that is, is a huge achievement. Yeah. So we're very proud of and grateful, I guess, for our patients and their families who took part in the trial. But also, I mean, there's a benefit for the trial in that it, it proves that this kind of uh, technology can be done in, literally in the real world in a smaller area rather than just in a big centre like Peter Mac. But it also proves that, that a smaller centre like ourselves can still take part in this kind of research and still produce the goods 
um, and and have very high level research coming out of somewhere where it's not what people always expect. Um, someone like Peter Mac or the bigger centres, they, they do an awful lot of research and that's what people expect them to do. Whereas they, there's an expectation that smaller centres can't do that kind of high quality and, and quite clearly we can. How long was the trials for? Was it over a number of years or how, how, how did it work? Yeah, so the trial ran over a number of years. Um, so statistics worked out that we needed 450 patients uh, to be on the trial. Um, Warnable were able to contribute 15 patients to that trial. And as Ian just said, have, um, that doesn't sound like a high number, but it's 15 of patients that wouldn't have travelled uh, if they had to go on to the trial in, in Melbourne. Um, so it really it's, it took the time it takes uh, to uh, accrue that number of patients. Um, I think we enrolled over about two years um, in order to get those, those number of patients to make it statistically valid. Oh, well, terrific work, Dr Terry Hayes and Associate Professor Ian Collins from Southwest Oncology. I guess a, a practice the size of yours is, you know, you've got patients coming through all the time. You, you've given the time to, to do trials and, and research to try and improve, you know, cancer treatment. Absolutely, and, and I think it's it's certainly in medical oncology it's part of almost our core business at this stage that it's it's part of what we do to improve care, and we know that there are um, deficiencies, there are gaps between the survival for cancers in regional areas compared to metropolitan areas, um, and we recently published another paper where I was the author on that one, uh, looking at prostate cancer down the southwest, and we know unfortunately for some reason the southwest Victoria has worse outcomes from a prostate cancer point of view than the rest of the state. Um, And we looked at some reasons why that might be, whether it's access to specialists or access to care or whether there's a genetic difference. Um, And that'll be ongoing research and seeing if we can tease out why things are worse. And if we can find a reason, then we can um, try and target that reason and improve that that problem so that people will will live longer and live better without having to travel to the bigger centres. Yeah, I guess that's a very difficult... um thing to find out why is the southwest you know worse off than other areas and and it's probably a a combination of lots of little things that aren't quite as good as they might be but if we can tease that out using data uh, that's currently being collected across the southwest and and the state then using that data we can identify the problems more specifically and then the next step obviously will be to to fix those problems Mm -hmm. but it's probably a combination of lots of little things but knowing what those things are is something that we can improve and we, we see that every day that the treatments we have are better because of research and and, uh, and clinical trials but knowing what the problem is is always the first problem before we can fix that. Oh well Terry congratulations on the work you've done a real accolade in your career and making a difference in the whole world I guess that's that's what the that's what it's all about so thanks for inviting me up here today and um, keep up the good work at South West Oncology. Thank you, Peter. Thanks, Peter, very much. Peter Heaton talking the Great South Coast on this Friday morning, and we're talking to the Deputy Mayor of the Moyne Shire, Daniel Mead. Good morning, Daniel. Yeah, good morning, Hedo. Good morning, listeners. That's good to talk to you, Daniel. Now, a lot of people have heard you on the radio and heard you in the news and know that you're on the Moyne Shire Council, but before we talk about a few issues at the Moyne Shire, well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, where did you grow up and what schools did you go to? Yeah, he does. So I grew up in the in the Garbock, um, Eklund area there uh, on a dairy farm. We have a few different dairy farms shifted around too and uh, ended up settling back in Garbock. Went to St. Thomas's as a kid, then over to um, Mercy Regional College in Camperdown and then studied agriculture at uh, Glen Ormiston College, uh, you know, just in that same area there. It's a long-time institution for agriculture. So 
that's a bit about me and being involved in a bit of uh, footy. Played very poorly along the way, but um, good to be involved socially, uh, football netball clubs, and you know how important they are for the region, Hedo. They are. Now, did you spend any time overseas? I did you had, heard you had a trip to uh, America, was it? Did you go over there for a while? Yeah. Yes, we uh, did what a lot of young people do. Uh, we went and lived over in London for about 18 months, uh, my wife and I. Uh, before we had kids, of course, went over there for 18 months, had a great experience, did all the normal things like, you know, bull runs, um, <laughs> fest, that type of stuff. Uh, and uh, But later on, yeah, I did have the chance to study uh, a Nuffield scholarship, which took me to about uh, 12 countries over 18 weeks of international travel, uh, which was agricultural scholarship, a great opportunity and uh, uh, a, a lifelong experience, that one. Mm. So now, what do you do on a day-to-day basis now, apart from attend council meetings? Yeah, I'm, I'm a dairy farmer, so we, uh, we live at Garlock um, on a uh, outblock there where we rear the young stock, and we also have a dairy farm up the road at Nurris. So um, dairy farming is certainly facing a, a good season ahead with milk prices, um, and also the season's looking reasonably okay too, although a little bit tight, but uh, some of the inputs are causing a few issues, but no doubt we're certainly pleased with the uh, milk prices going around. And, and um, you know, dairy's agriculture region here, and when dairy's going well, so is the towns and the cities like Warrnambool. Well, that's right. Moynshire is you know, dairy dairy country for sure, and uh, you as a councillor, you have a lot of um, dairy issues to d- deal with, farm planning and other things as well. But other areas that you come under your jurisdiction as a Moynshire councillor is housing and housing affordability, um, and we'll get into that a little bit later on. But why did you decide to become a councillor? Yeah, look, uh, at the time I thought it was a good opportunity to uh, get involved with the local community on, on a representative nature. Uh, I was also keen to see a view from a, a younger family focus come on board. And uh, lastly, yeah, a bit of that um, agricultural background as well to, to get on council. And it's, it's been a great experience, like any job's got its uh, ups and downs. Um, but uh, overall, I've really enjoyed it and enjoyed being able to meet a lot of great people from uh, right across the great shire of mine. What would be, the, from your point of view and council's point of view, the, the biggest issue at the minute in council? Uh, certainly, you know, housing affordability, housing availability is, is a major issue at the moment and uh, something that our council are understanding and listening to our community about and working on trying to find some... Uh, uh, some mitigations to address that. Um, certainly, you know, in towns like Port Ferry, Mortlake, Anchoroid, it's very difficult to get a rental if you want to move to town for employment. And, of course, the flow-on from that is we're finding it difficult to find, actually, uh, workers to um, start some of our important industries like hospitality, uh, like agriculture, farm workers, but also uh, ag manufacturing as well. So council have been working on it lately and we've um, had a few uh, initiatives that have just been put in place over the last month as well. What what are those issues? What what, what, what not the issues? What are what are the things you're putting in place to try and address um, the the shortage of housing and I guess rental properties for yeah. people? Yeah. So first of all, just as, as a bit of a short term quick fix, we've put in uh, five cabins at Mortlake in the caravan park. Yeah, it's, it's, it's this council owned um, caravan park that have been taken up straight away and um, very quickly filled by by people. Working in the local area there in Mortlake, and some earth moving, but also some ag workers as well living there, and I believe a couple of shearers have been there as well. So that's been taken up really quick, which is good, and we're also looking at potential down the track to expand that. 
And um, in the coming months, we'll be doing something similar at Croyd as well, putting in five cabins at Croyd for for short-term worker accommodation and key essential workers. So uh, that's some of the short-term stuff. But longer term, uh, with regard to housing, just uh, on Wednesday, we had a bit of a town poll session at Mortlake, just try and feel the vibe of the community about doing some um, subdivisions within the town lot. We certainly know there's a lot of large blocks there in Mortlake, and we think there's opportunity to uh, further develop those and uh, be give opportunity for people to settle in Mortlake on some, some reasonable-sized blocks. Um, and people also who own the blocks have opportunity to uh, create a bit of income for them as well. So if anyone's interested in that, please get in touch with the Shire. We think there's opportunities there for Mortlake. Um, and just on Croyd as well, we've just had a, a structured plan done there. So there's uh, definitely down the track, there'll be some um, land open up there for, for development as well. So from listening to what you're saying is that the growth is in the area, in the Moyne Shire, We've just got to find the infrastructure now to, to you know, to, to match what the population growth. Yeah, look, you know, people in the Moyne Shire and certainly uh, our councillors always, have always known it's a great place to live and work in the great Shire of Moyne. And just over COVID, uh, you know, thousands of other people have come to that realisation as well and moved yeah. out of the big smoke and moved back home from wherever they've been. So it's certainly put some pressure on um, some of our infrastructure and our services, but... Uh, we're certainly willing to work through that and welcome new people to our community because it is great for our local economy. Mm, I noticed in your local budget that the land values have increased by 22% and the residential housing gone up 27%. So that's a, you know, an area of growth as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, our, our rural land has, has gone up a hell of a lot as well within the Shire. And um, agriculture and ag manufacturing is our biggest industry. And, and that rural and rural lifestyle um, zone land brings in about two-thirds of our rates income, so it certainly is um, important to us to deliver the services right across the Shire. All right, so on the housing availability and people that, that want to work in the area, what would you suggest they do? Get in touch with council and you can sort of help them out a little bit? Yeah, so those correct cabins that I mentioned are open for expressions of interest now from businesses who may be uh, looking to settle people in the town and bring people to the town to work within their organisation, so... We're keen for people to get in touch with us at the Shire about um, lodging an EOI on that front. Um, otherwise, we're certainly open at any time. I mean, Council have a uh, Economic Development Advisory Committee, which has community and business members sit on that. Uh, the, that information is on our website also. We certainly encourage feedback through that committee about any ideas and suggestions people might have to uh, accommodate the growth we are seeing at the moment. Mm, that's terrific. Good, good work there for the Moyne Shire and people want to move to the area. Always help from the Moyne Shire. What about the um, the caravan parks right throughout from Port Ferry to Mortlake, Karoit, Yambuk, Kalani? They they um, looking at the the take up of people coming and visiting the area. It's quite significant, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's seen a lot of strong growth and it's bounced bounced back really well after COVID. And uh, we certainly know they're great places to visit. And people, you know, the hospitality businesses and the tourism businesses within our towns and within the Shire. Uh, are very welcoming. They've got great reputations. Of course, last year, Port Ferry won the Victorian uh, Small Town Tourism Award for the best place to go and visit. And uh, they're a finalist. Port Ferry's a finalist this year. But we see it not only as a, as a gong for Port Ferry, but as a gong for the whole uh, Moyne community because people come to Port Ferry and they often go beyond there and, and visit our, um, our great sites right across the Shire. Yeah, well, I know um, that uh, I think income for, from all your caravan parks across the Moyne Shire is approaching $4 million. That's terrific, yeah. but it's also the money that's spent in the Shire whilst people are holidaying here. 
Exactly. Yeah, look, Peterborough um, from Yambuck to Kalani and, of course, Port Ferry, Mortlake, Troy, they're all uh, excellent um, caravan parks that are very popular at that time of year. And, they, of course, they spend money in the local businesses when they come there. If they go down to the pub or they go to the uh, supermarket, the coffee shop, bakery, whatever it is, um, certainly putting money back into our local mine economy, which is fantastic. Well, it's good to talk to you. A couple of other things, quick questions. The Belfast Aquatic Pool, that's been in the news. You found some funding to keep that going? Yes, yeah, that is one that um, we've been working very closely with uh, the community there, uh, sorry, the committee there on Belfast Aquatics to try and find ways that uh, we can uh, keep that open. We've had some insurance issues, but yes, we have um, worked with that committee to uh, help fund a bit of insurance for uh, the next next few months or the next um, period of time anyway, and we can work through solutions moving forward for a longer term basis. One that always raises its head, and I know that that's uh, another uh, income generator for the Moinshire is the wind farms. That's always a, you know, you've got a twos and fro's on the wind farm, and I think you're looking at yep. your policy on that. Yes, yeah, we've just had an, uh, a period there we've been open for public consultation and public feedback. Uh, we've certainly had good responses there from members of the community. It is a uh, tough issue. It definitely certainly does um, split some com- communities. There's no doubt about that. So council are looking to review their current position on wind farms in ways that we can uh, better advocate to the state government on improved planning and uh, improved community benefits. So uh, that's now closed. So we'll be um, releasing some results from that and uh, working through those that bit of feedback. And we do appreciate everyone who made contact with the Shire and, and filled in the survey. All right, Daniel, thanks for joining us on the Great South Coast today. Good to uh, good to talk to you. Uh, a few of your councillors, just go through the Moinshire Council make-up for us. Yep, no worries. So we've got, of course, got the Mayor, uh, Ian Smith. Uh, he's from up at Pura Pura. Um, we have uh, Jim Dukas from Marlis Flat, uh, Councillor Karen Foster, Port Ferry, uh, Damien Gleeson, Port Ferry. Uh, we have Councillor James Purcell from Port Ferry. Um and myself and, of course, Councillor Jordan Lockett also. So um, we've got a good spread across the Shire. And all in all, of course, we have some of our, um, our disagreements, but uh, it's done respectfully and we get along pretty well as a united team for the benefit of uh, our Moy community. All right, good on you, Daniel. Now on another note, the Hamden Footy Netball League. Uh, who's going to win the flag? Can do it again? Well, they're looking pretty strong at the moment. Uh, we've just had, a, of course, an embedded culture of success there, which is obvious. And Well, they're going for uh, seven premierships in a row. Yeah, they'll look like they'll be tough to uh, knock off, that's for sure. But it's good to see Portland um, up a bit higher in the ladder this year and you know, likely to make finals. And So you never know what happens on the day, of course. All right, Daniel, thanks for joining us this morning and good luck on the farm out there and good luck with the Moinshire. Thanks very much, Edo. I appreciate it. Peter Heaton this morning talking to Judy Rout from the Warrnambool and District Artist Society. Good morning, Judy. Good morning, Peter. That's Judy. Great of you to come in, and I know that there's an exhibition on at the uh, Art Society at the moment, but just um, give us a bit of an explanation about the Artist Society and what, what do you do out there? Uh, well, the Artist Society has been running now for over 60 years, so we just celebrated our 60 years last August last year, so 61 years now. Um, we have um, classes on on Tuesdays and Thursdays that our members can come and attend. Uh, there's the watercolour class and Ricky Shembury opens up and if you'd like to go in and do pastels, he's an expert at pastels, um, but you can just paint in whatever medium you like and get a little bit of tuition from him. Whereabouts is the uh, whereabouts is situated? 
We're at Four Caramba Court, which is, uh, if people can remember where the old woolen mills used to be, younger people may not know, but almost directly opposite where the old woolen mills was. All right, so if really people are interested in art, pottery, any type of form of artwork, they can get in touch with, with you at the Society. Absolutely, yes. The, the um, gallery is open every weekend from 12 till 4. And how many members would you have currently? We've got uh, close to 80 members at the moment. Right, and this time of the year is the big year, big time of the year for you because you've got your awards exhibition on, which is currently underway. I think it opened last Friday night. It did open last Friday night. It's, it's our annual awards, so we hold that every year. And um, so we award members for their best works that they present. They're all new works. So it's a great opportunity to see paintings that you won't have seen in Warnable before in the last 12 months. So can you go through some of the awards or go through the categories and the award winners for us? The, uh, we, we, have, um, we present awards for the best first, second and third in most of the um, usual categories, of acrylics, oils, watercolours, pastels and other medium. Um, we've got a few new awards that, we've, that um, we were awarded this year. One was from Water East Timor. They gave an award for the best scene with water in it. We had an award um, which has been running now for the second year, and that's the Maureen Healy Memorial Award. Maureen's family present that award. And this year it was awarded for the best floral painting. Um, we have an, a new award this year, and that was the Stephen Benham Memorial Award, and that was for the best bird or animal painting. And, of course, we have our Judith Watson Award, which has been awarded for uh, quite a number of years now, and that's for the best overall painting. I guess uh, the judge's job would be very difficult and there would be a lot of anticipation from the artists as to when the, when the, you know, when the awards are given out. That's right, and it's, all, it's a great night for our members. Um, and we, because we have so many awards, it's, um, it's nice that it's shared around a lot of members and not just given to one or two people. Mm. Can you name some of the award winners? Um, the well, from those major awards there, we had uh, Jenny Vick won the best overall award, and that was um, for a painting of a river a river red gum that she has done in oils. Gwyn Taylor won the uh, Maureen Healy Memorial Award for a painting of a bottle brush. Uh, Robin Ireland won the Stephen Benham Memorial Award, and that was for a painting of a bird, a, a um, moor cow. And I won the Water East Timor Award for the water scene. Well done. Well, there's plenty to talk about. The thing that's really uh, good for people listening this morning is that these are all on display now, so they can go out for the next for over the weekend or into next week to have a look. Yes, so uh, we open every day for the two weeks while the annual awards um, show is on. So that's from uh, twelve to four each day, and if you and that's so that runs through now until the tenth of July. If you can't get in by then. Uh, you can still see the exhibition up until the end of August mm, on weekends from yeah. ten uh, from 12 to 4, Saturdays and Sundays. Excellent. So I'd suggest if you're looking for something to do, that's the place to go, Warrnambool District Artist Society, the awards exhibition, Merai View Gallery for Caramba Court is the place to go. I've been there and haven't been this year yet, but I intend to go. But over time, there's great works and they're all for sale. They are all for sale. So there's over 100 works there for sale. And they range in in price from $35 up to over $3,000. So there's mm. there's something for all price points there. Mm. And what about the judge? His job would be, or her job would be difficult? <laughs> yes, I think it is a difficult <laughs> job for the judge. And, uh, of course, judges always... Um, 
have different ideas that perhaps that they're of uh, what they're looking for when they judge, which is great too because it means the same people don't get the awards every year. Mm. Who's the, uh, who was the judge this year? Our judge this year was Brett Jarrett. So Brett um, has the, the Bay of Wales Gallery over in Narrawong. So um, listeners may have been to his gallery. It's a beautiful gallery, perched up high on the hill with wonderful views. And great morning tea over there if you um, mm. if you want to go over there for a drive. Uh, Brett is uh, a realist artist and uh, he is very well known, his works. Um, he does lots of um, birds and animals. Excellent. Well, uh, you mentioned Water East Timor. I know they've been involved with the Warrnambool District Artist Society for a number of years and they do some good work as well. Money raised from the exhibitions on the night, the opening night goes towards that. That's what do right. they do? All our ticket sale uh, entry on the night, on the Friday night went to Water East Timor. Uh, they put in water projects over, obviously over in Water East, uh, over East Timor. In Timor Leste, you get um, mm. your pipe pipe water to the villages. And, and it's a local group that's that. It does is that? Yeah. yes. Oh, any any names that we can mention in that group? Um, Greta Perry, um, but she's no longer in Warrnambool. But uh, if you look if you look up Water East Timor, if you Google Water East Timor, there'll be contact details there. All right, well, they do terrific work. Now, if people are at home and they want to get involved with the Artist Society, you, they're all welcome to come out and have a look and join. What, what would you suggest they do? How, how can they do that? Uh, anyway, well, we you can uh, just um, join online on our from our website, or you can go down to the gallery um, when we're open which is always every weekend, but up every day at the moment. Uh, and members on duty there will be quite happy to um, give you a membership form that you can fill out and and, um, and place your, or put your membership in on the day. I guess the thing that, from my point of view, like I'm not that good at drawing or painting, um, do I have to be good to, to get involved? Like if I'm interested, can I be taught? How does that work? Absolutely. Um, particularly if you'd like to come along on the on the Tuesdays or the Thursdays when we open up um, for members, you'll always be given some guidance there. And it's also good for your mental health as well to get out there and just dabble in painting. And it is, yeah, yes, yes, good. as long as you, yeah, you you make fun of it. <laughs> All right, Judy, thanks for coming in this morning. The Warrnambool District Artist Society Awards exhibition they're on now, so just a game for people if they want to have a visit. What's the time to go? Uh, 12 till 4 each day up until the 10th of July and then weekends um, through until the end of August for this current exhibition. All right, Judy, thanks for coming in this morning and good luck on the exhibition. Thank you, Peter. Peter Heaton talking the Great South Coast on this Friday morning. We're going to talk about Beyond the Bell. It's been in existence for around about 10 years and Davina Forth joins me this morning. She's the Executive Officer. Good morning, Davina. Good morning, Peter. That's good. You've brought your project coordinator with you, Rachel Wilkes. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning. Good to see you in here. Now, Beyond the Bell, we've heard about it. Tell us a bit more detail uh, about sure. that, Davina. So, Beyond the Bell um, came into existence in 2012. Uh, we do actively work with community to enable young people across the Great South Coast to engage in education and transition through the key stages of their learning periods. I, I notice on your website you've got our children, our young people, every choice, every chance. That's sort of your motto. It is, absolutely. Um, that is what we aim. That's our vision and goal. Right through from zero into and out of high school. And we hear of organisations such as Standing Tall and Lens 
you work actually behind the scenes to support these groups. Can you give us more detail about that? We do, and I suppose that might be why a lot of people aren't familiar with us or our work, is that we believe and we sit in a backbone position for these other organisations. Um, Beyond the Bell works in a collective impact model, so we actually sit behind the delivery organisations such as Brophy, The Lens, Standing Tall, um, the Neil Porter legacy as well. And we work with them to make sure that they're supported in what they do. All right, Rachel Wilkes, the project coordinator. Tell us your role. What, what's the project coordinator do? Uh, coordinates the projects. <laughs> and tell us some of the projects on, on offer. So we've got some awesome projects. Um, Youth Conversations Phase 2 is up and going. So Phase 1 was um, a research initiative across the six LGAs where we heard from over 700 young people about what keeps them connected to community, engaged in education and the effects from COVID. And the LGAs is the local government areas. Areas, yes, right. Um, We've also got Teach the Teacher, which um, we're supporting Vic SRC to roll out in Glenelg primary schools. Um, So their their students in their schools are going and collecting data um, to then collate it and bring it back to their teachers for a professional learning session um, where they give them recommendations about... Uh, what they like about school and what they don't like about school. And that's very important to get the, how the kids feel and what what their questions are, what they like about school, what they don't, yep. so Youth you can sort of form, form the future. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Davina, tell us a little bit about yourself. You've had a history at uh, Empower, I think, and you've only been in this role not that long. Yes, I've been part of Beyond the Bell for about eight weeks now, so still very new in the position. Um, before that, I was uh, a local teacher um, in... Oh, a, f- a few schools across the, the south coast um, and worked up in northern Queensland schools as well before returning to Warrnambool, um, completing a Bachelor of Psychology in Education Development and now I'm here with Beyond the Bell. And what's your charter? What's your goal for, for, for your tenure at uh, Beyond the Bell? They said this is what we want to achieve. What would be the big picture? The big picture, um, that, that is every choice, every chance, making sure that our young people across the great south coast have the choice and the chance to engage in their education and learning. Mm. And what age groups are we talking? Zero to? Zero to 19 19, years. So we begin with early transitions from the zero into the primary school age. We sit with a program called Stepping Stones to School uh, for that, which is delivered by Auschild in three LGAs at the moment and hopefully Mm. expanding. All right. So if there's people that would like out there need support for the children in school groups, can they give you a call and say, hey, can you help us out in this area? Is that is that part of the program? Or uh, If you're if you're an organisational agency that would like to connect, absolutely. Um, a, a phone call or an email through to us mm. will definitely get one of us on board. And beyond the bell, how did it start? Is that a, is that a too hard a question? <laughs> so you've been there eight weeks and started ten years ago? How yes. did it become in existence? Ten years ago, uh, obviously, I wasn't around for, for the beginning, but it was in response to, to community need. So um, Collaborative Impact Model looks at what, what the community has, what assets need to be built on and how to bring them together. So that's why Beyond the Bell became um, an initiative in itself, is to help across the, the, across the Great South Coast. Excellent. Our children, our young people, every choice, every chance. And it's so important these days that we look after the young ones coming through. They've got some challenges. Is there anything with COVID that sort of stands mm-hmm. out from your point of view? We sit here and look at each other. Yes, COVID has had an amazing impact across all the schools, not not just across the Great South Coast, 
or Victoria, across the nation. Um, the fallout that we're seeing now uh, with young people engaging back in the classroom is something I think no one has really been prepared for and it's definitely the next area for us mm. to be looking at trying to support our schools and support our young people. And I miss all the programs and information that you're collating so you can put together a, a solution, I guess. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, and that's a really important part of Youth Conversations, which we are hoping to expand on to get the youth voice and to make sure that what we are doing, what we are targeting, will be beneficial from a youth perspective as well, not just us sitting behind our desks saying what we think. Mm -hmm. And how far, you talk about all the LGAs in the area, how far does it cover? Do we go to Camperdown or Portland or what's yeah, the area? We do. So we start at Colac, Otway Shire, Karangamite, Warrnambool, Moyne, Glenelg and Southern Grampians. Mm. I guess, um, Rachel, if people want to have a bit more information about Beyond the Bell, the website's a good place to go. I had a look at that this morning. It's got a good lot of information on there. Yep, btb.org.au. btb.org.au. Davina Fourth, Executive Officer Beyond the Bell, and Rachel Wilkes, the Project Coordinator. Thanks for coming in this morning. Keep up the good work. Very important work that you do with the young ones, bringing them through. So uh, let's hope Beyond the Bell is here for many, many years to come. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thanks. Coming up to the midday news on 3YBFM, but let's find out what's going on around the city and the area. Uh, coming up is Paul Pinkerton from the Warrnambool City Council. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Good, thanks. Now, if people are looking for something to do, Paul, you've got a, a list of uh, activities that are happening over the over is, the area. There is so much going on at the moment. Obviously, it's school holidays, so there's lots of uh, lots of fun things on for the kids, but there's there's plenty on for the adults as well this uh, this coming weekend and throughout the next week or so. So, yeah. All right. Can you yeah. run run, well, run through a few for us? Yeah, yeah, all right, excellent. So, the uh, Warrnambool District Art Society are running their annual award exhibition. At Cranbrook uh, Court, uh, that is running from the 25th to the 10th of July. Fantastic local artists on on display there. Yeah, we spoke to uh, Judy Rout a little earlier in the program and got some full detail. Yeah, that'd be well worth a look. Yeah, definitely worth a look. Uh, obviously, you know, being school holidays, there's plenty of things on for the kids. Uh, our flaggy program is up and running. There is another cannon firing on this Saturday, so. Get on down there to hear the uh, the big cannon go bang. What time's that start? Um, that is, look, the, the cannon goes bang at 12 o'clock noon, so we suggest people get there by about 11.30 and work their way up to see all of the uh, all of the excitement around that. Uh, but, yeah, full full program of events here at Flagstaff Hill. There's also the, uh, you know, the Warnable Storytelling Festival. I've got some, um, some roaming storybook characters walking around uh, the Gateway Plaza. Uh, really good festival that's been put together this year by the uh, Storytelling Festival crew. Uh, Aquazone has got its uh, winter program. Other other kids' programs, we've got Hit Nation doing a winter program. Uh, the Fizzy Pole Studio School Holiday Program. Um, really, really exciting one, actually. The, the Tower Hill School Holiday Program uh, put together by uh, Warren Goodditch. Um, is running from the uh, the first through to the seventh as well. So and that's going to be that's going to be in high demand. So they're recommending that people book that early. But I suppose you know the Indigenous program there good good segue into uh, you know NADOC week next week as well. But there's um, plenty of things coming uh, coming along next week. Well, I noticed NADOC week on Sunday the tenth of July. There's a get up, stand up, show up uh, at Lake Pateau between the between eleven a.m. and two p.m. So 
more details, get on the NAIDOC uh, website, Google the NAIDOC week, and information will come up there. So that's a, an event coming up. And also yeah. at the Warrnambool RSL, there's an open mic uh, Sunday the 3rd, Singers and Poets Welcome. So uh, that's worth yeah, 2.30 that's... to 4. Yeah, so yeah, that, definitely some good things for the artists. Uh, in, in regards to the uh, you know some more adult entertainment, the uh, Aurora Winter Wonderland happening at the Shanaki Bar this this weekend, Friday and Saturday. Uh, they're turning their upstairs upstairs area into a, a Winter Wonderland, and I believe it's a, a footy bye weekend this weekend. So I think they're expecting a few a few local uh, football and netballers to um, get on down there. Uh, we've got um, Troy Kinney live at the um, at the Lighthouse Theatre. If people aren't you know have, aren't across him, they're obviously not on social media. But he's uh, he's been doing stand up for some time and and he's uh, you know definitely worth a look. And um, yeah, at the, at the Warrnambool Art Gallery, I'm pretty excited actually. The uh, the Junior Warrnambool um, opens on the um, the second of July through to the seventeenth. And I know a lot of like kids have certainly gone to a lot of effort to to put in their Junior Warrnambools. Um, Things that I'd, I'd strongly encourage people to get down and check out some uh, budding local artists. Thanks, Paul, for joining us on the talk about the great South Coast. We'll talk to you next week.